этот корабль это часть моей мечты и часть работы большой-большой команды в течение последних полутора года. Мы сейчас так на судне, который называется города Борис Александров. Бывшее его название это Бельгика. Just meters away from the Orthodox Church of St. Nicholas in the port of the Ukrainian city of Odessa, an unusual ceremony took place just over six months ago in the presence of Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Built relatively recently, the Church of St. Nicholas has for decades been the first building to welcome passengers arriving at Odessa by sea. It has also been the last place that some sailors would visit before embarking on a voyage, entrusting their lives to the patron saint of mariners. Last year, on the 29th of October, President Zelensky stood next to the passenger terminal of the port of Odessa, accompanied by the European Union ambassador, Mati Maasikas, and a small group of dignitaries and scientists. They had gathered next to a 37-year-old ship, and the Ukrainian president had come to announce that the vessel had been given a new name. In honor of the former director of the Marine Biology Institute, who died in a tragic accident in 2019, the ship would from then on be called Boris Alexandrov. With the new name would also begin a new important and peaceful mission for the ship, a mission that was supposed to last many years and which would help Ukraine and neighboring countries to save the Black Sea. But only four months later, this mission would become yet another victim of the brutal and murderous Russian invasion of Ukraine. What was the new mission of the ship? And why is the Boris Alexandrov featured in this letter from Brussels? The answer, as always, at the end of the episode. Also in today's letter, President Zelensky's inspired idea for the reconstruction of Ukrainian cities. Mayor de Koster on what would happen if the mayor of a small town never visited a local school and how this is relevant to the future of Europe. And the city, which has been awarded the European Capital of Culture 2027. I'm Sean O'Kernin and this is Letter from Brussels, bringing you stories about the EU's capital city and about the leaders building the union from the ground up. It's brought to you by the Renew Europe Group in the European Committee of the Regions. Imagine the following scenario in a small municipality. The mayor is informed that the local school badly needs refurbishing. So the mayor instructs the municipal teams to find the necessary funding and to oversee the work. But imagine that during the whole process, the mayor never once visits the school. In normal circumstances, this last part is unthinkable explained Renew Europe President François de Coster in an op-ed article on the Euractive News website. Not only do citizens of a small local community have direct access to the mayor and expect physical presence, proximity and understanding, it's also in the mayor's interest to personally witness the situation, because having a clear picture of the problem will improve the decision-making. But the larger a political community is, the harder it is for the leader to personally inspect every site where action is needed. 
While citizens accept this and don't expect physical presence from the leaders of large political communities, their demand for understanding does not, however, diminish. So the more they feel they aren't understood, the greater their frustration. The mayor of a large city or a regional president can just about visit the priority neighborhoods and towns. But prime ministers of nation-states have to be, on the whole, extremely selective, and to have accurate information, they rely on their ministers, members of parliament, regional and local leaders, civil servants, civil society, and the media. Now consider the European Union, a political community of 450 million citizens, 24 official languages, 27 member states, over 250 regions, and more than 80,000 municipalities. Although the presidents of the European Council and the European Commission, the 26 other European commissioners, and the 705 members of the European Parliament all go to great efforts to visit different parts of the Union to better understand it, it's simply impossible for them to have a sufficiently accurate picture of how the Union is functioning on the ground if they rely exclusively on these visits. In a political community of such great diversity as the EU, detailed and reliable information is of absolute necessity to deliver quality legislation and to ensure that citizens feel they are heard and understood. So, with more than one million democratically elected representatives at local and regional level, who are collectively responsible for half of all public investment in the European Union, it is clear that the more EU decision-makers engage with subnational leaders, the better they will understand the union they are governing, the better the legislation will be, and the more European citizens will feel they are heard and understood. And this conclusion has now been reflected in the final report produced by the Conference on the Future of Europe, presented earlier this month in Strasbourg on the 9th of May, Europe Day, exactly 12 months after it started its work. Amongst many other recommendations, the conference calls for an enhanced role for the European Committee of the Regions on matters with a territorial impact, as well as a common definition of subsidiarity in order to clarify whether decisions should be taken at European, national or regional level, and for greater involvement of parliaments of regions with legislative powers. The conference also calls for the creation of an EU councillor's scheme that encourages municipalities to appoint one of their councillors to closely follow the activities of the Union in order to inform their citizens and council peers. As President de Coster concluded, the conference and its results represent a historic milestone in the long process of connecting the European Union with the reality on the ground. And he added, Let's hope that it is a point of no return and that for the sake of the future union, a true and effective partnership between the EU and subnational government develops so that European citizens feel heard and understood. Coming up in a few minutes, President Zelensky's inspired idea for the reconstruction of Ukrainian cities and the curious connection between Ukraine's Boris Alexandrov ship and the EU's capital city. But first, some news in brief. 
the Latvian city of Liepāja has been selected to be the joint European Capital of Culture 2027, together with a Portuguese city yet to be announced. The mayor of this port city of 70,000 on Latvia's west coast is our member Gunnar Sansings. He will lead preparations over the coming years focusing on European values in a changing world. The European Liberal Party, ALDE, will hold its annual Congress in Dublin from the 2nd to the 4th of June, electing a new party president. The current acting co-presidents, Irish Senator Timmy Dooley and Bulgarian MEP Ilhan Kuchuk, have presented a joint candidacy to continue the co-presidency model. Their candidacy is unopposed. The Congress will also elect five new vice-presidents, for which there are six candidates. And Renew Europe COR will organize the ninth Liberal Mayor's Summit, as well as the first event exclusively for local councillors. The other European party of the Renew Europe family, the European Democratic Party, is also holding a Congress. It will take place online on the 1st of June and will focus on the priorities of the upcoming Czech Presidency of the Council of the EU, which takes over from France for the second half of this year. The President of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, is thinking well into the future and he has a plan for the reconstruction of Ukraine even though the war in his country is still raging and atrocities are being committed every day against innocent Ukrainians. During a recent meeting with the President of the European Council, Charles Michel, he explained that he and his team are planning for Ukraine's reconstruction and long-term economic development. Their idea is to build on existing and new twinning arrangements between cities and regions in Ukraine and in the EU and to step up the cooperation, to focus on reviving cities that have been destroyed and traumatized by war. By drawing on the expertise of EU cities and regions in terms of urban planning and sustainability, President Zelensky hopes to make the reconstruction of Ukrainian cities effective and innovative. EU cities and regions are in fact already heavily involved in collaborating with Ukrainian authorities, helping with humanitarian aid and hosting Ukrainian refugees from the first days of the Russian invasion, planning for the long-term integration of some of the refugees and offering short-term relief to children trapped in Ukraine. The European Committee of the Regions is acting as an information hub to facilitate the necessary contacts between the cities and regions in question. And this brings us to the story of the Boris Alexandrov ship. No more than a two-minute walk south of the European Parliament in Brussels, one can admire one of the most spectacular collections of dinosaur skeletons to be found anywhere in Europe. It includes the amazing Bernissard collection of more than two dozen full-scale iguanodons measuring up to 15 meters long, all discovered together in 1878 in a coal mine in southwestern Belgium. It was the first discovery anywhere in the world of a complete dinosaur skeleton, and there were 30 of them. 
The building that houses this collection, and which is located just behind the European Parliament, is the Popular Museum of Natural Sciences, most commonly known by children as the Dinosaur Museum. Although one could also simply refer to it as the Museum of Life, considering the many millions of specimens of different life forms that exist in its collection, and which place it in the top ten natural history collections in the world. What few people know is that the museum is only the visible part of a much bigger institution, the Royal Belgian Institute of Natural Sciences, whose missions include scientific research into biodiversity, the evolution of life, marine ecosystems, and the modeling of the North Sea. The scientists based at the Institute, behind the European Parliament, include therefore oceanographers, geographers, and marine biologists. And the jewel in the crown of their research tools is the second Belgica ship, an ultra-modern vessel they acquired only last year. The first Belgica ship began its work in 1984, and after one million kilometers, over 1,000 scientific missions, and after discovering mud volcanoes off the coast of Morocco, cold-water coral communities off the coast of Ireland, and keeping a constant watch on the state of the North Sea, the Belgian Institute decided it was time to retire the ship and to upgrade to a newer one. When the Belgian ambassador to Ukraine, Alex Lenartz, learnt of this, and knowing, as he did, the great need amongst the Ukrainian scientific community to have a research vessel that could help save the Black Sea, he proposed that the original Belgica be donated to Ukraine. And within months, the Belgica was on its way to its new home in Odessa, where it was supposed to begin a second life after President Zelensky revealed its new name, Boris Alexandrov. It hasn't been possible to verify what became of the ship after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We can only hope that once the war and atrocities are over, and peace and security has returned to Ukraine, that its scientific research to monitor and protect the Black Sea can begin. To see the Boris Alexandrov ship fulfill its intended mission would be a symbolic but powerful way to show defiance to the aggressor and to pay tribute to all the Ukrainians whose lives have been destroyed by the invasion. If you are enjoying this podcast, you can subscribe on most major podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. If you think others might enjoy listening or subscribing, please don't hesitate to tell them about it. Thank you. Thank you.